Blog Talk Radio. I want to welcome you to another PS10 radio segment of Parent to Parent, and we're going to talk about becoming a parent today. So this is kind of, may seem kind of random to some people, but I think it's important um, to just touch base on this subject because it not only is it um, it's relevant because a lot of um, you know, as you, um, most of my listeners know, my passion is, is just helping stepmoms get through um, their role of being a stepmother to be the best stepmother they could be and help individuals learn how to use self-care to be the best person they can be. And that comes um, hand in hand, I believe, with parenting because if you're a good per- if you're in a good place as a person, you're in a good place as a parent, um, then you're able to positively affect those around you, which ultimately is your children, your family, the people in your household. So I think it's very important for us to talk about how you make that transition from being single, just carefree, worrying about yourself, maybe you're worried about your relationship, not really worried, but, you know, you're focusing on yourself, focusing on your relationship to now i got to focus on these little people that I brought into the world this, or this little person and how is that going to affect um, me being able to have self-care, time to myself, sleep. Um, I really want to get into that, too. Um, just, you know, it's a lot of uh, um, new parents who end up having the obstacle of, I don't get any rest, I have no time to myself, I don't take showers, just all kinds of things like that. And I've been there and done that. Um Although I have two biological children of my own, I have a stepdaughter, and I've been in her life since she was an infant. I understand how that is, and we actually get to um, go through this journey together. You and I, just as um, you share when you email me and message me, I really appreciate it. Um, I'd appreciate, you know, when you guys feel like you um, want to chime in and give your two cents and give your opinion and that call in number when you when we're on the air is six four six seven one six eight two zero eight. And as always you can email us at positive steps ten at yahoo dot com. You can message us on Facebook at Positive Steps Ten. You can also tweet us at Positive Steps Ten. So again, becoming a parent is one of the most beautiful, blissful, fulfilling feelings you could ever have in the universe because you were a part of creating life. It's it's wonderful, it's magnificent, something that's like unbelievable, like wow, this this is a part of me, this person has my DNA, like this this is beautiful. And you never forget how precious precious that privilege is. So sometimes we take it for granted and because some other you know, other people who desperately want to become parents don't always um get that 
uh, desire fulfilled. So we have to take it as a privilege. We have to appreciate um, our opportunity to become parents. So we're discussing discussing that initial stage of parenting, bringing home the newborn baby for the first time, and by then, you know, you've had a baby shower. Your the the nursery is painted already. You got the crib up and ready with all the decoration, the bedspread and everything that you have in, in the crib. You got the photos on the wall. Sometimes you have already taken those beautiful pregnancy photos. You put them in frames all over the baby's room. You might even have a, a value or a, a staple word on the baby's wall or maybe the baby's name draped all across their nursery and then the bassinet is waiting by your bedside. And you may be thinking, oh, I think I'm going to co-sleep. I think I'm going to um, breastfeed. I think I'm going to, you know, get some baby monitors and everything like that. Well, for myself, my baby is ten and a half years old, <laughs> so I have two. So it's been a long while since I've dealt with the day-to-day of having an infant in my home. But I just want to bring up the topic because I remember the struggle as a new mother and, and as a couple and just being able to, how do I get rest? How do I maintain all my obligations? Um, because when my daughter was um born my uh my parents were starting to become ill so i had to deal with balancing just life work and being a wife and being a mother and and maintaining the the routine in my day-to-day life so it was very important it's really difficult when you are a couple without day-to-day life uh it's, it's already difficult to be in a couple sometimes just balancing everything when so many other things are going on but then you add in an infant and it's just so um, overwhelming. Um, also, just self-disclosure disclosure for me, again, I, I was a stepmother at the time, so I knew about being a parent, and I knew about, um, you know, helping out with a baby, but I didn't know the day-to-day. So it was really a wake-up call when my son, who was um, born when my stepdaughter was seven, when he came into our life and it was a day-to-day, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, every day dealing with the infant, that was just like a struggle. So so if you can, if you can definitely relate, feel free, give me a call. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter if I'm in the middle of a sentence or something. I just want to hear you guys' input, you know, message me, whatever. If you know how that felt just that first time, you know, waking up, in the middle of the night, bring home the baby, whatever it may be, go ahead and, and and share that with us. I think that's important, and that's why I wanted to do this segment. So personally, my son, he was a colicky baby, so he was hard to soothe. Um, he had to get that special formula. I remember it was cost a whole lot of money, cost like $25 a can. I was not breastfeeding at the time. I didn't even think about co-sleeping because I was like, he's crying so much. I don't know if he wants him in the bed with me. Um, but I was definitely like rocking and walking around. We put them, put him in the car seat, put him in the car and drove around and put him in the baby seat and um, the baby swing. And finally, the bouncy seat which was ironic because we could have just started off with that. But the bouncy, the little bouncy seat that you put them in and you kind of do it with your little foot or, you know, sit on the ground with them and push it with your hand and it goes, bounces up and down. 
he would go to sleep in that, and that was where he slept for a long time. And so we were, we had to sleep on the couch, or we would bring him in the bedroom and just kind of do that. And that was kind of, um, you know, it's a struggle because sometimes you don't know what will be soothing to your children, your babies. And for me, you know, <clears throat> and again, I am a professional, but, you know, this is um, kind of my personal opinion. You need to do whatever the doctor tells you to do for your child and your infant, your baby, not necessarily what you hear on a radio show such as this. So um, this is a disclaimer, so don't run out and do this. But, you know, I went from trying to, to put him on his back to he would just startle and wake up so much I put him on his stomach. He slept through the night. So I had to come up with trial and error things that worked best for my child. And, again, this is back in 2003, so this is older information because I know they've gone from sleep on their back to sleep on their front to sleep on to nothing in the crib. And, you know, they have all kinds of different um, stipulations and guidelines, and that's what you need to follow right now. But I'm just sharing with you what happened when my child was um, an infant in 2003. So. It was not easy getting him to fall asleep or to soothe him. But um, he would have, like, three, two to three hours of napping during the day. And I love that because I could finally do the things that I wanted to do, like clean up or I could watch a quick movie, run an errand. Um, I could um, do things that I want to do. I even started getting into, oh, I decorate the house. So I'd be putting some little crafts together. You know, but nighttime, it was back to the drawing board, you know, just, oh, he's startled, he woke up, he wants to eat, and it's like, you know, that was a lot. So fast forward, my daughter, she was so much easier to put down, but what I did was, you know, those boppies, I don't know if, you, if you're a parent yet or not, but if you know what a boppy is, you know it's that curved pillow. Well, what I did with her that helped she would kind of, I guess we call it cold sleeping. I guess you can say it's cold sleeping. She slept in the bobby in the bed in that little gap right there, and she was out like a baby all night. <laughs> so she was great. But, you know, different children, um, they have different um, needs, and they soothe in different ways, and you have to just be okay with that. So in my research I was looking just on this topic, um, you know, I basically usually look around on the web and see, like, what's popular, what's going on. So what was funny was I found some articles, and um, the articles were on being a first-time parent. And one of them was a BuzzFeed, and it had some hilarious memes on there, Um I can't, I don't feel comfortable reading them all because some of them, you know, they're just blatant out, like, <laughs> just, I don't know. It's hard for you to understand unless you actually looked at these um, memes. So, because um, sometimes it was just self-explanatory by what they put up there. But it's, it's called The 14 Differences Between First-Time and Experienced Parents, and it's by Mike's Four for, excuse me, a BuzzFeed contributor. And, again, it's on www.buzzfeed.com. Check that out. That was funny. And then also I had another article that I kind of looked at. It's how to tell a first-time parent 
from all of the rest, and she listed some things, and as well as another one from babycenter.com, which talked about experience versus first-time parents. And I will say with my son, I was so cautious, and, you know, I was letting nobody touch my baby, and everybody couldn't come over to see him. Like, I was just so protective of him. You know, and even basically through my first four years, I was very protective of him. My daughter came about, like I said, I had a life change with my with my parents getting ill. So I no longer had their support because they were my primary um, source of support. I started recruiting, and I say recruiting, but really I just started allowing people who have always offered to help me to finally help me. I finally started building my support system. It was consistent of my best friends. I had um, my aunt. Like, I just had, I had, to, I had to pull on some other people. I couldn't rely on just myself, um, my husband, and, the, and my parents at that time. I had a different, you know, I had – a life change going on because I had to be a caregiver. So that also played a huge role. And at the time, I was struggling with trying to get my son, even though he was four, I was still trying to get him to sleep on his own. He still wanted to come in and sleep in the room, you know. And if you're a parent, you know Sometimes we don't mind the kids sleeping with us, but other times we do mind, and we don't want them in there. So it was very important that we got him to sleep on his own. It was funny because I shared that with a pastor of mine at the time, and he was a godsend because he introduced us to this book called Baby Wise. And I will say, even though my daughter was easy to and she really loved sleeping in that boppy. It was nice to to get the baby wise, look at that, and see how can I train my both my children on how to go to bed in a sleep routine. Um, and not only was I reading the baby wise, but I was also looking at Super Nanny because it was very popular at that time. So I was looking at Super Nanny, and I was taking notes, and I was like, okay, for him, for my son, who was a toddler at that time, on to, you know, preschool age, I had to, you know, do some different techniques because now I also have an infant. I can't have him waking up the infant, talking about he wanted to sleep in here, and she already in here. It was just too much. And I don't have a I, – I never had a thought of when I became a parent that I would have a community bed. A lot of parents do. I was one of those parents who did not want that. So I knew that I had to train. If I wanted to get my household under control, I had to train my baby and train my toddler to to learn how to fall asleep on their own. So when I look up some things on Baby Wise, here are some tips I, I got just um, from uh, the sleep training techniques that they offered. They basically said you need to set up a, a routine, set up a routine for the bedtime, um, set up a routine for the morning time. So and that would either be like what time that you would get started. It would be like the, the things you would do, like oh, I'm going to give you a bath and then I'm going to feed you and then I'm going to, you know, and then you're going to help them try to have a ritual where they're getting sleepy but they're not going to sleep so that you they can visually see you putting them in their crib so that they learn how to self you know, self-soothe and go to sleep on their own. 
So I thought that was pretty deep for them to do. So you want to create a, and build a basic routine for your whole day. So in between the time that they wake up and the time that they go to bed, everything in between needs to be kind of like a ritual, kind of a routine, something predictable for you and for your baby. So if they wake up at 6 in the morning, okay, we're going to play until 8.30 or 9. Then I'm going to um, start getting you ready for a nap let you take a nap for an hour or two, then I'm going to wake you up. Because for infants, it was saying, and I, you know, like I said, my baby's 10 and a half years old, so I had to review and go back on some things. It was saying the babies need to sleep. At, um, the infants, the newborns, they need to be eating every two hours and that you shouldn't let them sleep too much past um four hours because what will happen is they'll start to get dehydrated. We don't want any dehydrated children or babies walking around our house. So um, we looked at um, that as uh, to take into account as part of your routine for your day. So you want to make sure you incorporate in the, their feeding times, swaddling your baby. If you don't know what swaddling is, oh, my goodness, it's like a snug, it's like, you know, the the adult's, and, and and bigger kids, they can get in those snuggies. That's what swaddling is. It just your arm, their arms are in there, the feet all curled up, just like they're in the room. And they need that. They need that tightness. That helps them too. And I think if I would have had that when my son was was little, was a baby, and he was sleeping on his back and startled every time he thought he heard something or whatever made him startle. If he would have been swaddled, I bet you he probably would have just continued to sleep on his back and I wouldn't have had to put him on his belly. And, you know, of course, then they start saying you shouldn't put him on the belly. And anyway, so I think swaddling is a great idea. So that was one of the suggestions as well. And I did that for my daughter, and it did really help. And she she was staying still when she got swaddled. She liked it. She enjoyed it. Um, create a good sleep environment. One thing I learned, and I think that's even for the older kids too, the the not only the infants and the newborns, but also for the toddlers, the preschoolers, the school age, you need to create a good sleep environment. So, you know, when you get a certain time, again, according to the routine that you set up, turn those lights off, turn down the noise, turn off the screens, the computer and TV screens, anything that's going to distract the baby. Put on... You have to put on some, what I had back then, which was very popular, was like the baby Beethoven, the baby Einstein, and just a lot of little images with the little stripes and black, red, and white, and all that stuff. I would maybe put that on and, and give them a toy that, you know, simulated those images, and um, or maybe not a toy, because I would I mean it's playtime, but... I would make sure that they had those visuals. Um, sometimes, you know, the little screen that's on their crib, it had little images on it. it just start that, and it had music as well, so it was it was a, a two-in-one deal. So you can do those kind of things to create a soothing environment, maybe a, a favorite um, stuffed animal or blankie that they like that you can swaddle them in or or that um, reminds them of your scent. They say sometimes, you know, put something near near the uh, baby that reminds them of your scent. So it could be, you know, a, something small that's kind of on the, um, near them but not in the crib because they don't want 
uh, the infants to have um, all these different items and stuff in the crib because they can get lodged or or um, interfere with their breathing. But you just want to make sure they have a good sleep environment. And sometimes that is um, having your scent near them, and that will help them to stay asleep and be comfortable. Encourage full feeding. So when you're feeding them, make sure they're eating all the way. And making sure that you don't let them nap too long. So um, we kind of talked about that um, before with the eating um, schedule because if they're not eating um, on a regular basis, they can get dehydrated, like we said. So they also talk about teaching the baby the difference between day and night. So making it very clear day, we're going to be playing, we're going to be doing, you know, things, watching TV, everything like that, and then nighttime comes when that hits 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock or whatever you decide is bedtime, then the lights are going down, the music's going down, everything's going down, going off. You know, look for signs when the baby is tired and get in there. So to quickly get to our three quick tips for new parents, and like I said, feel free to call. Don't hesitate. Chime in. I'm just trying to get through as much as I can and give you a gist of the baby wise and a gist of becoming a new parent. Um, So the three tips that I wanted to really let um, new parents know about are, one, creating that routine. And that's what I got um, just from reading about the Baby Wise, and I think you would too. And you could look up the Baby Wise book itself on Amazon or any other um, outlet. You might even be able to get it through Hoopla or something like that on the library app. Um, But that routine is so important, and I think it's important too, like I said, for any age uh, for children, they need to be on some kind of routine. Uh, school age teenagers, they need to be on some kind of routine, some kind of predictability. It helps them with um, not only physically being able to get the rest they need, but also emotional and mental um, uh, stability. They need that consistency. That's just kids need consistency. That's just a part of how they're made up. They and they need us to provide it for them as parents. To be prepared, but be flexible. Like I said, my first son, I'm up here, everything's perfect and all just ready for him. And I'm just like, I can't wait for me, a mother. And I couldn't. And I just loved the experience. However, when he got home, he wasn't trying to hear all that. He wasn't trying to go in that bed. He wasn't trying to be in the bath. And that, like, it was just nothing was working as planned. But you know what? I had it. So as he went through his stages and got better with his sleeping and everything like that, I was prepared. But I was also flexible because I knew, hey, I might have have to go rock him in the rocking chair to get him to sleep. I did did what I could, you know, to to help him um, adjust to being in the outside world, outside of my belly. Whatever he was experiencing there, he loved it. And when he came out here, he didn't like it too much. <laughs> so number three, build your support system. And I build and identify your support system. And I say this because, like I said, with my son, I didn't want nobody touching him but my parents and just us. And, no, I had to let that go. I had to let it go. And I had to build my village. You have to build your support system. You know, that African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child is so true. When my 
parents became out of commission and I had no choice but to ask other people to help me, that's when I figured, I found a blessing in building a support system. You know, I, I realized who was in my corner, who I could trust, and how I could identify people I could trust. Even people that you think, oh, yeah, me and her, cool, we got the same age children and everything like that. They, that may not be the person because she's overwhelmed. But you might can call on your aunt or you might can call on a neighbor or somebody who's close to you. Sometimes you're not even by people that you're related to or have relationships with. You have to just identify and learn to be a good judge of character, learn to figure out what do I want my baby's um, environment to be like when I'm not around. Figure that out, identify people who fit that, and, you know, have high expectations, but at the same time you have to, you know, just trust, really trust in God because you're not going to be with your child 24-7. Even if you're an at-home mother, you're still going to have a point where you're going to be like, oh, I need a babysitter so I can go and do this or meet with this person. Or You just have to have that balance. But those are my three tips, you know, that routine, be prepared, but be flexible and build your support system. It's so important as a parent. It's so important. So, again, go and see those related uh, articles to what I was talking about and what I was referencing to that BuzzFeed. is hilarious, the 14 differences between first-time and experienced parents. Um, the Huffington Post uh, article, How to Tell a First-Time Parent from All the Rest and the Experience versus First-Time Parents. If that was a blog on babycenter.com. So before I um, take it on out, um, before we uh, wrap up for today, I did want to kind of just talk about the cry it out method. I had to do that for my son. And what's the cry it out method? And you might have heard of it, seen it, experienced it, tried it yourself. Um, that is a hard one to do as a new parent, you know, but you, when I looked it up, you have to, um, it's, it was saying how you have to gradually increase the time that you leave your baby crying. So you go from like three minutes to tonight, tomorrow, five minutes, the next night, six minutes or 10 minutes or, you know, and gradually increase it. And after a while, it says the baby should kind of start to learn, like, this is what I need to do to soothe myself. And it's just a reliance that I'll be back. You just need to go to sleep. And it's something that, you know, children, they're sponges. Our, our, our babies are sponges. They're learning. They learn from us, but we have to teach them and train them. And this is a part of training them from the cry out method. If you go to your baby for every little whimper, you hold them too long. I know they say you spoil them and I'm going to touch on that in just a second, but you kind of do spoil them because then when you need that support system that I'm talking about, tip number three, and you say, hey, can you watch my baby? I got an interview or I got to go take care of some business or I got a lot of errands to run. I don't want to drag her around or drag him around. And you go and drop that baby off to your support system, guess what? They're hard. They're intolerable to watch, to keep Yes, they offered, they want to be there for you, they want to help, but they also want to enjoy your baby too. They don't want to have to hold the baby the entire time, have a hard to soothe baby. And sometimes that's just part of the baby's temperament. You know, like my son was hard to soothe. I didn't have a lot of people watching him at that time because I knew it was frustrating. And so I didn't want to put anybody else through the frustration. But 
if you can't help it, like for my daughter, if she cried or something like that, I, I didn't run to her right away. I just kind of learned that I wasn't sure if I did that to my son or not for him to be so hard to sue. So for my daughter, I just took note and I just handled things a little different. But when it comes to whether or not they're spoiled, I'm not 100% um, on that side of the fence because, you know, healthy brain development does um, mean that you have to have a healthy amount of human touch. It's important for infants and babies and toddlers. It's important for children to have human relationships, human face-to-face. You know, that's what's wrong right now with um, the technology and the social media and everything. We're so into our phones and everything. We, we to soothe our babies, we're giving them the phones and, and the tablets and stuff, but they need the human touch. They need us to, to, to be in their face and to see facial expressions and understand feelings. And they get that by seeing other humans, not looking at a computer screen or a phone screen. So just keep that in mind. And so that's why I'm not 100% on board with uh, it spoils children. But I do feel like the cry it out method is something you could try. It's hard as a new parent to do it. But maybe as you um, try, if your child gets older, you'll be able to start doing it a little more often. So, again, the three tips, create your routine, new parents. Be prepared, but be flexible, new parents. And build your support system, new parents. (laughs) Okay? So, and if you're not a new parent and you need to still do these things, you you have more than plenty of time to do it until they're 18. You can be flexible, have a routine, and build your support system because they still need them as long as you're raising them. So, as always, be the best you that you can be one positive step at a time. Peace. Yeah. <laughs>